Isn't family great? Man, it's good. I love it. Well, last week, uh, we had the privilege of uh, inviting and having as our guest speaker, Amy Tippin. And um, when I first met Amy, she was Amy Morosky, and uh, she was a college student. We have a wonderful relationship with she and her husband, Preston. Um, Preston was one of my students um, while he was in high school, and uh, we just, we love them. We, uh, we drove to their wedding in Philadelphia, um, and a suburb of Philadelphia, and it was 95 degrees with about 85% humidity, and the air conditioning on our minivan did not work. Isaac was, I think, about 18 months old at the time. Um, that child was as red as a beet, and um, we were staying overnight just outside of Pittsburgh on our way down, and we got a half an hour from our destination, and that was it. He had had enough. He was not traveling one more minute, and if you know anything about me, I want to get to the destination, okay? That's my goal, and so to stop on the tollway there at a... At a uh, a stop, a wayside, and, and let this uh, toddler get out and begin to, you know, in just a diaper, because I was so hot in the vehicle, he was only in a diaper. And so you have this sort of history. They thank me all the time. Thank you for making that trip. We now realize, because we have children, just how hard that really was. And so that everything comes around. You know what I'm saying? If you hang in there long enough, everything comes around, and, and, uh, and there's some respect <laughs> that comes as a result of that. If you miss her message, what I want you to do is I want you to either go on the church's Facebook page and, and listen to that. We, we loaded it to the Facebook page so you can listen right from there. Or if you're on the YouVersion Live app, you'll notice that there is a link right now on the YouVersion Live app in our notes for today that you can uh, uh, later go on and listen to that, share it, and if you know somebody that would benefit from it, <clears throat> tag them so that they will, it'll be drawn to their attention and they can see it and they can be touched um, as a result. So today, as the follow-up to Mother's Day, um, we're in this series of messages that are called Honor Bound, and today I want to step back from Mother's Day, and I want to realize that Mother's Day is over, and that Father's Day is coming, and we are sandwiched in between, okay? And so I want to take that step back and look at our parents in general. And, um, and I just want to encourage you. You see, we live in a culture that honors youth and personal freedom, not age and wisdom. Thank you, John. Thank you. John's not 25 either. <laughs> we value youth. We value personal freedom. So how does that impact our relationship with our parents, and what does the Bible say? Now, you may not have a connection with them. They may or may not be walking the face of this earth, but every one of us have parents, okay? It's all different circumstances, but we have them. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 16 says this, Honor your father and mother, 
as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. God was speaking this to Moses about the children of Israel as they were getting prepared to go into the promised land. You say, well, pastor, aren't we in the New Testament now? Aren't we under grace? Isn't there the new covenant? And the answer to that is, yes, we are. So let's go to that covenant. Let's go to the Gospels and listen to Jesus' words in Matthew 15, verse 4, as he directly quotes the Old Testament when talking about honoring our parents. For God said, honor your father and mother, and... Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. Yikes. So let's, let's just make sure we heard that right. Are you with me? Did, did we hear that right? Anyone who curses their mother or father is to be put to death. How many of you are glad that we do not live under the old covenant? Okay? Because some of us remember as teenagers, we may have done that. Okay, um, as as we look at uh, at, at this. Um, as we look at the scriptures, okay, Exodus 21, verse 15, says anyone who attacks their father or mother is to be put to death. That literally means kills. And we say, well, if, if, this, if, if, if you believe in capital punishment, then, then okay. If, if you kill your parents, it's like killing anybody else. Uh, then, then your life would be demanded of you. That makes total sense. But then in verse 17 in Exodus 21, he says, anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. So here's the question, why would the Bible, whether in the Old Testament or, or in the New Covenant, why would the Bible place such heavy consequences on how we treat our parents? To honor and obey, that relationship of honoring and obeying between parent and child is literally the very foundation for any society. Ask anybody that works in the school system. A child that honors and obeys their parent in the home will honor and obey others in society. A child that cannot honor and obey their parents and does not do so, then when it comes to the rest of society, will not honor those in that society. I think it's interesting that Jesus referred to God as his and our heavenly father, which draws the correlation not only between us and God, but us and our parents, because we have not only an earth, a heavenly father, but we have an earthly father, and there is a correlation. God used the relationship between parent and child as an example of how we relate to him. Literally, if there is no love, no honor, no obedience to God, 
or excuse me, there is no love, honor, or obedience to God without love, honor, and obedience to parents. Our, our relationship with our parents opens the door for us to understand how to love, honor, and obey God. There's no time limit to this instruction, this command given to us in Scripture. And I know that right now, some of you within the sound of my voice, whether you are alone with a a toddler in the wiggle room, whether you are seated in in the, the hub or in the cafe or here in the sanctuary, someone right now, maybe you're listening online and you are saying, Kevin, you don't know what my parents were like. I acknowledge that. I don't. I don't know how they treated you. The Apostle Paul acknowledges that parents also have responsibility. In Ephesians chapter 6, here's what the Apostle Paul said beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And that word exasperate literally means enrage. Parents, we have a responsibility not to push our kids over the edge. But there is still no exception to the principle in God's word that says, children, honor your parents. Now notice when Paul, in in his words here in Ephesians chapter 6, the first thing he says is, children, obey your parents. And then in verse 2, he says, honor your father and your mother. He makes a distinction between these two words, obey and honor. To obey is to submit to the will of a person who rightfully holds a position of authority to comply with their demands or their requests. While honor is to attach great weight or significant value to the one with whom we have the relationship. As children who are under the authority of their parents, they best demonstrate honor to their parents by obedience. If a child refuses to obey, they are not honoring their parents. The best way to honor parents is through obedience when we are still under their direct authority. But at some point... We move beyond the authority of our parents, but God continues to instruct us that we should honor those parents. That command continues. Both in Genesis and in the Gospels, we read that there is a a time when a person leaves and cleaves. You leave your father and mother and you cleave to your spouse. You leave the direct authority from your mom and dad and you cleave to your spouse. And now it's no longer about obeying, it's about honoring. Are you with me? Are you following what I'm saying? Are you sure? I'm a little worried about you. Today I want to give you some practical ways that you can honor your parents. Number one, you'll find in your bulletin there, there's notes if you want to follow along. I believe that this is going to be very practical and can be of a great help for many of us in our relationship with our parents. Um, 
No, that's not true. Yours is probably real easy, um, your relationship with your parents, and so it probably won't apply to you, but someone else that you know, you can pass it along to them, right? Okay. All right, the rain has got you guys wigged out, isn't that? That's what it is. All right, number one, let go of the past. When it comes to our parents, especially when we're young, we love to bring up the past, don't we? We, you, you remember that time you promised we would have ice cream? And then there was a tornado that knocked over the ice cream stand and we couldn't go and you broke your promise. When we say things to our children, when we tell them, yes, we can do this, that is a promise to them. That is etched in concrete. It will endure forever. Okay? They love to bring that stuff up. But there's no place in all of Scripture that gives you or I permission to hold an offense. I love it when people come to me and they say, Pastor, can you give me a Scripture for this? And it's, it's great when they do that because they're looking they're look at, at something for an argument that they've been having, generally speaking, and they want to know if the Bible supports their argument. Um, but sometimes they do that. They come and they, they want to know if there's a verse that applies to them. If you're looking for a verse today that is going to say to you that you do not have to forgive your parents, you will not find it. And it doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter how bad they've failed. The forgiveness offered to us by God's grace through Jesus' death is central to the gospel. Not just his forgiving of us, but our forgiveness to others. The Bible contains 150 verses that talk about the issues surrounding forgiveness. In Matthew, Peter asked Jesus how many times he should forgive his brother who sins against him. And Peter thought he was being real spiritual by saying, seven times, Lord? And Jesus said, no, Peter, 70 times seven. In other words, there is no limit to the amount of times that we must forgive someone else. And for some of us in our minds, we say, but then I am allowing them to take advantage of me, and I promised myself that I would never do that. You know, it's even easier to forgive somebody who is maybe an acquaintance than it is our own family, than it is our own parents. Because with our parents, there's a lot of water that's gone under the bridge. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, if, if somebody in, in, the, in the workplace or, or, or in the neighborhood or your circle of friends or, or somebody else who's got a kid on the soccer team, when they, when they let us down, when they fail us, when they maybe do something that hurts us, it's, it's e- easier to forgive them than it is our own families because Why? Because we have so much experience with them, so much history with them. And sometimes we tend to build cases against our family members. Maybe your parents have wounded you emotionally. Maybe they've even abused you physically. The Bible does not exempt us from honoring our parents or forgiving them. In fact, 
Look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Here's what Jesus said, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Our forgiveness is attached to us forgiving others that have sinned against us. And I understand that no parent is perfect. I get that. No parent is perfect. If you are a parent, you are not perfect. You will and have already failed your child. So really, if we're struggling to forgive our our parents, we better realize that we've already failed our children. We need to hold ourselves to the same standard. But you know what? We like to cut ourselves a lot of slack because we understand the motivation of our own heart. But we don't take that into consideration when we fail to forgive our parents. We're not convinced of their motivation. Let me tell you something. One day our kids are going to be going to therapy and they're going to be tempted to blame us for all, our, all their problems. Huh? Are you with me? That one day the shoe is going to be on the other foot, friends, if we fail to forgive our parents. Number two. I knew it would be quiet during this sermon, but I didn't think it would be this quiet. Number two. Flowers for the living. We live in a culture where it's considered a character strength to tell it like it is. I heard that, that, that saying this week uh, several times about somebody uh, in the community, and, um, and they, were, they were being honored, and, and people were like, man, they really tell you how it is, you know. And, and there is a, there's, there's something in our community or in our, in our culture where we, we, we say, well, that's a character strength. But if it goes too far, then it's not a character strength, Okay. But the idea of telling people really how it is. Social media has created a cloak of anonymity, uh, making us feel free to say anything. We feel free to say exactly what we think and about anything and everyone, even if it's our family. We just have this freedom to say what we want to say. On the other hand, we often forget to comment on the good things. In Romans chapter 13 and verse 7, the Apostle Paul says this, Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. We have the ability to honor or dishonor our parents by what we say about them. One of the greatest privileges in my life was to eulogize my mother at her funeral. I, I literally, every word, I sweat over every word that I would share that day because I knew I had a short amount of time in which uh, to speak. And I wanted to say something that had gravity to it. I wanted to say something that would really be uh, very significant about the life of this woman who had loved me, who had taken care of me. Now, I realize that not everybody has that opportunity 
But I want to encourage each of you, don't wait until your parents die before you find something nice to say about them. You can esteem them now, whether privately or publicly, by saying kind things to them and about them. You may not have a platform like I do, and when I say that I'm not speaking of the wooden platform that I'm on, but the ability to speak in front of people or the opportunity to speak in front of people the way that I do, but you can still speak kind things about your parents. You can honor them by expressing gratitude for the things that they did and were right by you. Some of us are afraid that if we esteem them that we are condoning their past actions. When we honor them, I want to encourage you, we are in no way giving up our autonomy. So say it while you can. Take the opportunity, if they are still alive, to speak those things. Number three, another common sense thing that we can do, a very helpful thing that we can do to honor our parents is dig for pearls. Our culture values independence. We want to do things our way. We want to do them on our own. I've really been thinking about that, that phrase this week, and I, uh, I, I realized that that I, I kind of said that once to my dad. Have you ever said anything like that? I want to do it my way. I want to do it on my own. Anybody, have you ever said that? I can see a few heads that are, that are shaking. I, I said that at a very crucial time in my life, and I did not realize at the time that it probably would have been, um, it, not that it was a bad thing, but it could have been a little bit easier had I not said that. I told my dad that right before I left for college. And, and, and I evidently said it with the inference that include finan- included financially. <laughs> um, and he took it the way, uh, you know, I was saying it. And, and so I, I was responsible for my college education. And it was whether he might have said, you know, I can't help you anyway if I had asked. But, but it was just understood that I was the one that was going to be responsible. I said, I said Dad, I want to do this on my own. Okay. Some of us, we long to make it on our own. We don't want any help from anyone else, and it doesn't matter how much hardship we go through along the way. So there may be some here today that are not willing to ask for wisdom from those who have experience. Now, God has a sense of humor. I didn't have a computer or access to the internet until I was pretty close to 30, okay? Those of you that are middle school and high school and college and young adult, right now I can read your mind, okay? He old. (laughs) And it, it, it makes me feel old when I say it that way, so you're not far off. My kids have grown up their entire lives with this technology. If you're Uh, uh, A young person growing up in the Marquette system, you get a Chromebook, which is like a mini computer that you, you keep with you from middle school all the way up through high school. We give computers to our kids to go through school, okay? Something I didn't have till I was 30 years old, and it was 
It was in the job that I had it, not even personally at first. Do you realize, do you, who has a smartphone? Take your smartphone out. If you got one, just take it out real quick. Come on, do, do me a favor. Just take it out, hold it up. Some of you act like you don't have it and you've, been, you've literally been on Facebook while I'm preaching, okay? <laughs> you guys are so dishonest. Take out your smartphone, hold it up. Come on, hold it up, okay? Do you realize that in your hand, you hold a computer that is considered a million times faster than the computer's that sent astronauts to the moon in 1969. A million times faster. Think about that. And we have, we, we have these smartphones that we carry around with us and we know nothing about how to use them. One day, one day, my dad, my dad called me. I, we talk every day. Dad, how are you? I know you're watching this. I know Judy's right there. I love you, okay? My dad called me and he said, Kev, I got a problem with Facebook. And, and he's, he's saying, how do I? How? And I think it was how, how to take a picture from his pictures and post it on Facebook. And I'm trying to talk him through this, and I'm in my office, okay, and I'm, I'm loud, all right, if you haven't figured that out, I'm sorry, I'm loud, and I don't necessarily have an indoor and an outdoor voice, it's all just one voice, and, and so, and when I'm on the phone, my wife says I yell, and, and my dad, you know, yells, and so I'm, <laughs> I'm yelling back at him, and, and I am trying to talk him, and the doors are open, and, and people are everywhere, and I'm just like, dad, Dad, dude, and I'm trying to give him instructions on how to hold down your finger until it comes up to, to, to save the photo and then copy it and then move it into your... I'm, I'm trying to give this to him, and I am getting frustrated. Bad. Bad. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I used to have hair before this conversation, but I, I pulled it all out. It was, it was, I was so frustrated. <laughs> and, and afterwards, I, I may have a staff person that thought this was really hilarious. <laughs> because he's my son. And I, did, I, wasn't catch, I, I wasn't catching it, you know. And I, I, said, I, I said, I was so incredibly frustrated. And he leans over and he said, now you know how I feel every day. <laughs> He's going to edit that story out. No, he's probably going to put it in there twice. Yeah. Just because your parents don't know how to work Facebook doesn't mean they don't know anything at all. It just means they don't know Facebook. And yet they want to work Facebook. I just throw in my phone and tell him what it doesn't do, and he fixes it. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, it says this, For lack of guidance, a nation fails, but victory is won, get this, through many advisors. Okay? I want to do it on my own. I don't want any advice. I don't want any counsel. I want to do it on my own. It's a recipe for failure. 
Job chapter 12, verse 12. Is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? Our parents have incredible life experience. And yes, some of it is how not to do it. But they know that. So don't let your pride keep you from their wisdom. Imagine the impact that you would make on your parents, whether they are 45 or 85, if you were to ask them for counsel and wisdom on a matter that was important to you. Don't be afraid of giving them the upper hand. On, on, uh, and if they think that way, it's okay. You're not giving them the upper hand, even if they think you are. And sometimes we're so hesitant because we know if we, if we come to them and we ask, they think all of a sudden they're in the dominant position. Who cares? Let them think that way. You're obeying the scripture by honoring them. Don't let your pride keep you from doing it. Give them a chance. Don't buy into the message of our culture that old means stupid. They know a lot. We need to honor them. Number four, return the favor. For many of us, we would have to admit that our parents have been our biggest cheerleaders. I don't know about you, but I can still remember it. I can remember playing tennis in high school at Palmer Park in Janesville, Wisconsin. And I remember my dad getting off work and he would find the court that I was playing on. And Palmer Park had nice tennis courts and there was a chain link fence on both sides and it was just, it was nice, it was lighted. We played there all the time. And my dad, I can still remember him gripping the chain link fence. Now, in tennis, there's a rule that anyone who's watching cannot cheer or give advice or talk at all. This is the hardest thing that there is for a tailor man to do. And yet, he did it. I can still remember some big sighs, but my dad did it. Why? Because he was there so that his presence would cheer me on. I'm so grateful for that. I remember telling my dad when I was but a lad, Dad, I found this girl at school and we're going to get married. And my dad was really worried, he was really concerned that by getting married during college that I would not finish and go on into the ministry. And I said, Dad, I, I know that we can do it. He said, okay, well, when you guys come down next for a visit, let's sit down and you can show me. And that day, and I, I feel for my wife because she, at the time, just, just as you know, she was becoming my fiance, and, and, and here we are sitting at the, the, the kitchen table showing my dad our budget that we could make it and that we could survive and live and be in school. You say, why did he do that? He did that because he loved me because he wanted us 
to make it. And now I fast forward. I was going to say 35. It's more. No, it's more than that. No, that my point is it's more than that because we weren't married yet. So I'm okay yet. We, we fast forward, okay, more than 35 years, and, and I'm getting news, okay? I'm getting news from my hometown. I'm getting news that, that, uh, that dad's been chumming around with this lady in town that he goes to church with. And, and I'm, I'm hearing her name in conversation with my dad because we talk almost every day. And then I hear that they're holding hands in, in, in you know, semi-public gatherings, okay? And this is a matter of a very short period of time. And, and listen, I, I only dated my wife for three months before we decided that we wanted to get married. And, and to my dad, that seemed like a very short period of time. Well, guess who the joke is on? Because, because they were talking marriage in a very short period of time. And I, I, it was kind of tough, okay? I'm the, I'm the oldest son. And from the time my mom passed, I had, had to assume some new roles in life, okay? In my family and in my dad's life. And now all of a sudden, Sonny's dating, okay? And Sonny wants to get married. Well, let's sit down at the table and see if you can show me a budget. To see if you can make this work. I did not say that, but I wish I had. I said, Dad, I love you. I want you to be happy. She's a wonderful lady. I support you. I support you in your decision, and I will stand by your side I remember when my mom was in the hospital she was making a recovery she had had sepsis and I'll just make it very brief to say this that she informed us that the heaven train had come for her she knew that it was for her and she said no she wasn't getting on. She told us that if it comes again, I'm getting on. It wasn't what I wanted to hear. She'd been fighting a liver disease for the last 12 years. She said, I'm tired of fighting, I'm done. I want to go into hospice. I wasn't happy. I, I wanted her to be like what I thought I would be. I thought I would fight to stay alive no matter what it took. And she just simply said, I don't have any more fight. I didn't like the idea. But we worked out the details and she was going to stay at my brother Dan's house in the living room. They set up a hospital room there. My sister-in-law, Kristen, is a nurse. My niece, Morgan was a nurse's assistant, I believe, at the time, and she was in school, and Mark and I said we would each come for two days a week, and we would take rotations to, to help 
the family, uh, to help Dan's family so that they didn't bear all of the effort and all of the difficulty. And so we had a schedule set up. And, and, and so I was at the hospital with her when she went to Dan's. And we went that night and gave her a medication. And I'm thinking, how many weeks am I going to be coming back here to help care for my mother? How many months could this drag out to be? And she lasted a total of four days. 1 Timothy 5 and verse 8. I'm going to read that. Paul said in verse 4 that it's pleasing to God for children to repay their parents. And then in verse 8 he says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And the Bible commentators all agree that it's when they are children, but also as they are elderly. And so we need to consider returning the favor to our parents as they grow older. And some of you have done that very directly. Others do not live where their parents live, and you've had to do it from a distance. But it's all a part of honoring our parents. That in any way possible, that we're going to return the favor with encouragement, with love, with support, whether directly or more indirectly. I know that for some of you today, my words have evoked even pain in your heart. Maybe bitter feelings from the past. You even asked yourself, why should I honor them when they seem to care so little for me? And the answer to that question is not not what you would think. It's as much or more for you as it is for them. Because I believe that God wants to set you free. I believe that there's woundedness in you that God desires to heal. I know some of you in this room that have taken care of your parents at the end of their life for several years and you tended to their needs literally on a daily basis. You honor them. Others have not had that ability. You've not had that opportunity. But we can still honor our parents. Teenager, a day will come when you will say, I wish I had done more than I did. You say, how do you know that? Because I am someone's child. It's part of life. So as we close this service today, I'm just going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I've gone a little longer than I normally do. I apologize. But I believe that there's probably some here today that you'd say, Pastor, this is striking a chord in my heart. I'm not even going to ask you, is it, a, is it a positive chord or a negative chord? I'm not going to ask you. That's between you and God. But I simply want to say that I believe that God wants to do something special in you today. So you say, Pastor, that's, that's me. God's striking a chord. 
And I want to respond to him today. I want something that he has for me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just so that it's a private moment between you and the Lord. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Just hold it there. You can put them down. Let's stand. Is it possible that God, on a rainy Sunday morning, the week after Mother's Day, could use a message about our parents to touch our lives, to draw us closer to Him? I think so. I'm going to have Marie and the team lead us in a closing song, and as we do, if the Holy Spirit is working, if, if, if there's a chord that's been struck in your heart and only you know that, I just want to invite you. I want to invite you to find a place here at the altar. You say, man, why do you bring people to the front and sometimes nobody even comes? You know what? That's true. Sometimes nobody comes. And that's all right. Sometimes lots of people come. But I believe that God wants to work in your life. I believe that there are things that he desires to do in you and you need to offer forgiveness before that can happen. Are you with me? I believe that God wants to give you gifts that will only be released when we begin to honor those that have poured into our lives. So Father, as we, as we close this service out, I pray, Lord, that there would be a flood of forgiveness. Lord, forgive some of us for saying, you know what, I, I want to do it my way. Forgive us when we have held feelings of bitterness and unforgiveness toward our, our parents. Father, may today, may that be released. May there be a new spirit in us as it relates to our parents.